What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. I didn't say welcome back twice. Is that an issue? I think not. Welcome back, guys. Uh, it's been it's been crazy, right? The world is crazy. Twenty twenty is going to be one to remember. We had the bushfires, Australia over wow, December, January. COVID destroyed us, and and now for some reason, COVID just isn't a thing anymore. It's more of a thing in England, I assume, because we still have our COVID update. But across the world, America, it doesn't seem like it's at the forefront of people's minds anymore because protesting is here. Black Lives Matter. We had the horrible incident with George Floyd um, and the countless other, the countless other murders like that. Uh, and it's it's been quite a, a difficult place to navigate for a, for an online influencer because on one hand. If you say Black Lives Matter and you take part in Blackout Tuesday and you start posting all this, um, whatever, like, I was going to say propaganda. I don't think propaganda is the right word off the top of my head, but like the 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 news, the, the information, the education around the area. So if there's a lot of influencers constantly sharing that stuff, which is awesome. Um, but if you do that, God forbid you pleased everyone, fucking bastards. <laughs> Uh, you talk about Black Lives Matter. You talk about the education of, of of helping Black people and and the inequalities and the injustices that we have in in social society and the social constructs of society. And then you're faced with, uh, but all lives matter, Josh. Um, or you talk about all lives matter, and then you get called a Nazi um, because actually Black Lives Matter. Um, it is very difficult to 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 like have that argument, have that discussion with anyone because it's such a sensitive topic. So, do I say Black Lives Matter, and then I do a little bit of research on Black Lives Matter, and I see that Black Lives Matter is funded by Bill Clinton and George Soros has like a huge uh, implication into Andifa as well, and these two people are fucking terrorists and they're supporting and they're funding this and it's and it's becomes very very political on so many different levels and it's very very difficult to to navigate the waters so to speak i mean i think i think that right now black people are hurting and i think that that is an injury that i'm going to speak in riddles right now and i think that is an injury that needs repairing and i think that maybe the people that are saying all lives matter you know, I, I I read I read this I read this quote and it kind of it kind of made it a lot easier in my head to understand. But then there's also thousands of questions off this, which is why this is a very hard conversation to have. And I, this is why I wanted to talk about this conversation because we ain't got a fucking clue. And I'm sure many people out there are as just as uneducated as as me in this in this scenario and don't know how to navigate it. And and I wanted to just bring about the difficulties that I had with it. But what I heard was it was if you say if you say all lives matter, it's the equivalent of having one house on fire in your cul-de-sac, but then you saying, "I want to pour water on all the houses," because not all the houses are on fire, right? White people's houses aren't on fire, generally speaking. Um, but then, the, but then the question is, is right, right? Okay, cool. So, black people, your house is on fire. We're speaking metaphors right now. Right, and I can appreciate that. I can see that. I can understand that. Uh, I, I probably can't relate to it because I've not had that. But I've got my best friends in the world are colored. My best friends in the world are not white, and I and I can see when we're having these conversations about race, about injustices, like quite fr- like quite literally. One of my best friends, Shabab, will be in like middle of London back in the day when I, when I was there when I was living there, and we'll be walking around and 
whatever. You know, guys, not like I smoke a bit of weed, right? And and he and he would, like would be smoking a joint, walking through city. He's like, you know, yo, yo, put that out here. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, put that out here. We'll, we'll get pulled over by undercovers. I'm like, bro, I don't give a shit if I do anyway. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, please, just don't do it for me, because he has been pulled over more times than I can ever fucking count in my life. I have never, ever, ever been pulled over. I have never, ever, ever been stopped and searched. The only single time I've ever had a single confrontation with the police is when I was literally hotboxing my car with about four people, which is completely understandable. Do you know what I mean? I've never had this injustice, or I say injustice, I've never had this side of life. So it, in my head, I was like, I don't, I don't really compute. But for for, for, for for people who aren't in that situation, I can just see in his face like this shit is real. And you can see with the outcry of millions of people, thousands of celebrities, you know, who are talking out about this about this issue. But my issue then comes with, I understand that black people's house is on fire, understand that this is an issue. But also there's a million Muslims in China that house is on fire and they're in a concentration camp, quote unquote. And, and then there's, you know, millions of black genocide in, in, in America uh, sorry, in Africa, black-on-black black genocide, uh, in, in intra-African countries killing each other. So then their house is on fire. And then you've got the remnants of apartheid in, in South America, then you've got injustices in in South America, and it's, it's, it's a fucking minefield for someone who is privileged to talk about, because who am I to say... Who who the who am I to say, black people's lives matter, but actually, so does it, so does these Asian guys over here who can't do anything, right? So do these Muslims over here that can't do anything. So do these Arabs over here that can't do anything. Do we want to talk about how Dubai completely uses and abuses Bengalis, Indians, and Pakistanis for their slave trade, quote unquote slave trade, whereby they'll ship over hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people? To build and construction 50 degree heat and the moment they land they take away their passport it, it it's it's extremely hard to even talk about this type of thing which is why i'm doing it on a podcast because if i was doing this on instagram i'd have hundreds of dms calling me an asshole if i was doing this on youtube i'd have loads of people unfollowing me and i appreciate some of you guys listening to this are probably shouting at your radio or shouting at your headphones saying Josh, it's this, this, and this, and 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 that's that is an issue with a podcast, right? Is that I'm here just speaking my thoughts, and and I've got no one to curate my thoughts. I've got no one who can talk through my thoughts. But that is that in itself for me is an issue because I think even if I was having this conversation, don't get me wrong, there are people that would be fine with it. But even if I was having this conversation in public on Instagram, in public on YouTube, or just in in public in general, like if I went to the black protests, the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, which I've been to, by the way. I, I, I kind of stood around briefly in 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 my local town just to kind of see what was happening and see see how it was going. And it's extremely moving being around people who were united in thought. There's almost like an electricity in the air, which was which was quite unique. Um, and and I start, but then imagine I was there and I started talking about. I, I appreciate that actually being there probably and talking about other races would be extremely antagonistic and I definitely wouldn't do that um so let me take that scenario out of the way I'm realizing as I'm talking through that um but like let's say I want a conversation with with 
to be fair, anyone at the moment, because it's such a huge topic, Black Lives Matter, and I started talking about the Muslims and the black and black genocide and what's ever happening in South America, and and we could talk about the Aborigines in, in Australia who have been absolutely massacred out of their land, and there's very, very few of them left. Um, or the the traditional Indians in America, which got slaughtered so we could have the land of the free. Uh, or we could talk about the Viking. Like, do you know what I mean? Like this kind of periodic race war uh, is almost like a culture war as well. But who am I to talk about all these things? And and, and basically, what I'm trying to say is, is which what do I do? What, who talks about what? And 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 if I talk about Black Lives Matter, I'm treading on someone else's toes. And if I start talking about um, Muslim lives in 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 China in the, in the concentration camp. Then people are gonna be like, "What are you talking about? Can you can, like?" Here's something: is that as I'm looking to donate um, some 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 money to charity right now um, with my new launch of one of my. I want to try and get involved in charity from 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 the, from like literally like the first the first few products, so I can install this in my business philosophy a few years down the line. Um, and, and and say I announced, and, and this is not going to happen because I'm I'm aware of the situation, and I've had conversations about the situation, and I'm very very aware of of what the, what it would do to me. But imagine I announced, right, guys, I'm going to announce, I'm going to donate to these two charities. One of them is one place where I've been myself. I've I've seen what they do there, and I want to help. For example, like an animal shelter, right? Because I've been I've been to one that I've got an idea in my head that I want to donate to, and then my other one was. Uh, I want to help the Muslims in China, whatever. It, it, to be fair, it doesn't matter if it's a Muslim in China, but if there's anyone else but Black Lives Matter right now, I'm going to be condemned. And that's not an issue because I, I thoroughly believe in in bringing equality to the world. And if there's anything that I can do with a donation towards Black Lives Matter, young black, young black kids, young black women, people who just genuinely don't like... Mar- like Young black women, literally, potentially the most marginalized... Um, marginalized group of people in the world you know female of course there's there's the the uh, the subliminal patriarchy which we are trying to get rid of also is very difficult to get rid of and then you've got the 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 race war of black and white and 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 whatnot so you know uh, maybe they're one of the most marginalized groups that there is Um, and i'd love to donate to that cause but if i didn't do that right now and i announced it i would get ridiculed and i would get condemned and and that's quite hard for me to deal with in i mean i completely understand where people are coming from right because it's what's it's what people are talking about but that's quite hard to 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 accept and it and it f- doesn't feel right in my bones do you know what i mean because it's like i'm still giving hundreds and hundreds of pounds like it's probably it's probably not going to be thousands right i can't afford thousands at the moment i i wish i could i wish i could give millions i can't one day trust me i'm going to get there but people would condemn me for giving hundreds and hundreds of my own money that I've earned and built out of my own brick and mortar. And they would condemn me because it's not to the right charity. And and that is is another grey area for me to to me to walk through. Um I will I will say, like in the midst of this conversation that or the midst of this waffle that I'm on about, I don't know what's right and wrong. I don't know which which way to take. I don't I, I'm merely just trying to voice my uh like what i'm thinking i'm trying to vent i'm trying to explain how hard it is to navigate and and for anyone out there who may be judging influencers um condemning influencers for virtues virtue signaling if virtue signaling is going to help eradicate racism i don't give a 
fuck? Who cares if you're a virtue signal? Who cares if you're trying to grab attention from people if it's genuinely going to help the situation? Because if you've got a million followers and you think, oh my God, I need to make a Black Lives Matter post because if they don't, people are going to think I'm racist. And then you do it for potentially the wrong reasons, for sure, potentially the wrong reasons. But of those million people that are going to see that post, maybe 10 of those people, probably way more, are going to be, they're going to strike a chord with it. And they're going to maybe react themselves and maybe that's going to be a catalyst to more people. And maybe they're going to repost what you posted because they haven't seen that before and that mindset before. So I'm not too worried about people jumping, you know, quote unquote, jumping on the bandwagon and reposting loads of Black Lives Matter stuff. Because it fucking does. They, they do. They do. And they have social injustice. And there is literally fundamental racism built into society. You know, whether it's entirely for black people, whether it's for, whether it's entirely for black people and, and, and the drugs they use and the crimes they commit and they get more harsh punishments, you know, or whether it's Asian people who get spat in their face because they got corona or because people are saying coronavirus. Do you know what I mean? Like there is, it, it's rife and it's almost impossible to get away with. And I don't know the best thing to, to do in terms of getting rid of it. Is it talk about it? Is it completely ignore it? Um, I've seen some amazing speeches by black men talking about how they shouldn't address racism. The moment you talk about color is the moment you you bring racism into the conversation. And it, and my advice here is to not just jump on one bandwagon, but to listen to both sides and make an informed decision. There are some very, very interesting trains of thought. And I think it's very healthy to think like this. It's very healthy to question. It's extremely healthy to question what you see on the TV. It's extremely healthy to take what you see on the TV and type in the exact opposite on Google and then make a decision and read and read and educate and educate. Because ultimately, if you don't know the answers in this scenario, you are not educated enough. And ultimately, if you've got opinionated decisions uh, and opinionated things about all lives matter or in fact, black lives matter and you're up on your high horse about it, I thoroughly urge you to just look at the other side because it's so fucking complicated that there is that I cannot see it being a black and white thing. It's going to be on a ironically said black and white there. Um it's not going to be like a, a an on and off thing. It's going to be on a scale. It's going to it, it has to be on a scale because it's just it's so impossible to collate every single bit of history about every single race it's so hard to think to go through every single law and then break down which drugs each race take and then work out what type of socioeconomics uh, economic backgrounds people come from i mean i appreciate a lot of this information is available now but for you as a person to understand all of those aspects and then make a a, a definitive decision is very difficult is very very difficult so um, i'm here to say that i stand with everyone um, I stand for black people because they are hurting right now and I will help anyone who is hurt right now and I think we should start the war on evil people and we should start the war on racists on racists I don't think that racism is a thing without racists well of course it's not right um, and a lot of people who sit on the fence say I don't see color I am not racist. Great. That's fantastic. 
but there are racists. So let's fucking go get them, boys. <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave that there. That's 15 minutes of me just kind of explaining how I feel about the situation. Um, I appreciate there was zero clarity in that entire 15 minutes. I appreciate there was zero decisions on that 15 minutes. And I appreciate didn't really say much. I just wanted to talk about how I feel and how hard it is for me to navigate this situation and how hard it is for everyone to navigate the situation. So if you see someone say something that pisses you off, understand that it's really fucking difficult to not piss everyone off in this situation. So just be aware of your surroundings, be aware of what's happening and stand for what you believe in. If you believe in it, stand for it and fight for it and and act. Don't be passive. I would say act, don't be passive. If you don't know enough, go find enough. If you don't want to know enough, that's up to you and that's on your conscience, right? We've got one life, we've got to live it. Do what you think is right. Should we talk about some bodybuilding? Let's talk about some bodybuilding, right? So I want to talk about maintenance phases. Now, maintenance phases is something that I've not really addressed much on the channel, on Instagram, or to be honest, even even on, on the podcast either. I've maybe, maybe briefly. So the idea of a maintenance phase is, you guessed it, maintaining. <laughs> so the benefit of a maintenance phase, right? In fact, let's take it back. So when would you do a maintenance phase? Now, I'm going to define a maintenance phase as a period of time where you just maintain your weight um, and potentially based on where you are, you could push your food up as much as you need to without gaining weight, right? So um, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail so it makes sense. So I'm going to take two scenarios. So the two the two scenarios that you would use it in a bulking and a cutting phase. So let's let's take me for example. So I went on a six month bulk uh, from post show until about January. Um, in fact, no, even longer than that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven months. So from December, no, sorry, from October two thousand nineteen until about March uh, two thousand twenty, I was on a bulk and I was gaining weight, gaining weight, gaining weight, gaining weight. And in doing that, I'm putting myself in a surplus, I'm getting myself more muscle, I'm building up my metabolism. Um, but that fresh new muscle, that fresh new tissue, for me and my experience, is much easier to lose than tissue you've had for a few years, right? So you can imagine muscle as layers. Each time you break down a little bit of muscle, you kind of come back with thicker layers or more layers, and this is what increases the volume of it or the, the tissue size grows. But there'll be some tissue that's been there since day dot, you know, since whatever, a year ago, and it's hard-earned muscle, and it's probably not going to go anywhere. So the idea of a maintenance phase is just to reinforce that muscle or to reinforce where you are. So let's say I do a six-month cut, uh, sorry, six-month bulk, I'd probably do a three or four week maintenance phase and I would hold myself at that top weight where I really couldn't eat anymore because basically when I do my mini cuts, it's because I can't eat anymore. I don't have mini cuts because I'm too fat because at the end of the day, the fat's going to come off. I can get fat off easy. That's just my personal preference. So I need a maintenance phase for me to solidify that muscle. So I hit up 116 and a half ish kilos, maybe 117. And I was at 117 for four weeks and I stayed there and I earned it and I kept it. And 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 to be fair, that could have been even a little bit longer, that maintenance phase, because when I did come back down, I immediately lost like three or four kilos in a week. Um, a lot of fluid, obviously. But of that hard-earned tissue, uh, in my opinion, through that maintenance phase, 
which allows you to train at high capacity for a bit longer. It allows you to solidify the muscle that you've got. Um, I, I, truly, I truly believe that I kept more muscle on the way down or I would keep more muscle on the way down. And similarly, on the way down, it, it, it kind of makes a lot of sense for us to, to hold again at maintenance. So for now, for example, now I've just done about 10 weeks of a cut, probably gonna do four more, that'd be, take me to 14 weeks, three months. I'm then gonna do three or four weeks at the maintenance phase again. So I can hold that position. And I can get my body used to being lean. And I can get my body used to being chunky when I'm at the other end. Because a, a cool thing about set point and, and body fat and things like, well, no, set point. Set point's a perfect word for it, right? Body fat set point. You can change your body fat set point. You just need to spend time in that position. So in my opinion, spending a, a maintenance phase after a cut and you and you potentially you could reverse diet, right? Because a reverse diet, you give yourself more energy, but in doing so, you output more energy. Um, so you can kind of keep the same weight, if not, if yeah, you can pretty much keep the same weight and put your calories up. Obviously, in a in a surplus, it doesn't work as as, as free moving as that. But as you come down, uh, and you say you hit like two thousand calories in that three to four weeks of a maintenance phase, you could probably work up to like two seven, two set, two eight. You know, and you're trying to find that maintenance and you just work up slowly. But in doing that, you're kind of manipulating your metabolism. You're kind of solidifying that tissue. But you're also solidifying where you are body fat wise. And you're making sure you're not just gaining loads of body fat straight back. Because if you go from this ultra sensitive position uh, where you've been cutting for like two, two, whatever, fucking two, three months, doesn't make a difference. Um, but you're in this place where you're pretty lean food's pretty low, doing a lot of cardio, and you just switch into a surplus and you take away the cardio and you put up your food into a surplus so you start gaining weight again. Like the odds are a lot of that is gonna be, you know, water, glycogen, food and stomach, and some body fat, and maybe a little bit of muscle for sure. But in my experience in holding the maintenance phase for three or four weeks on either side, it translates into a much more productive transition. And, and the way, I, the way I see it is like a slow transition, right? Literally, you can maybe manipulate food a little bit each week on that maintenance phase, but it's just a really elongated transition. So instead of going from one day bulking to one day cutting or one day cutting to one day bulking, you just, you know, anyone who's edited a video before and you can just drag the transition out. It's just a three to four week transition. So if I'm going to reverse diet someone from like a competition prep, Technically speaking, the next three or four weeks is is, pr is pretty much a maintenance phase because you're going to find that I'm going to take you from 2,000 calories to 2,2 two, and nothing's going to happen. You might even get leaner. And then we're going to go from 2,3 two, two, two to 2,4 two, the next week and maybe nothing's going to happen. And we're going to keep this process and that incremental change in itself is a maintenance phase. And once you do tip over into gaining weight, it's probably been four weeks already. And similarly for, for the way down, Say I'm on 5,000 calories, 5,500 calories. That's a fucking surplus, right? I can go from 5,000 calories to 4,500 calories and still be in a pretty, pretty, you can guarantee I'm probably in a surplus or I'm gone. At least, at least I've got enough food to grow, right? So I just call it like a slow transition, you know? Call it a maintenance phase, call it staying where you are, call it a slow transition. It doesn't make a difference. But if you slowly but surely remove things, so let's say on the other way, 5,000 calories, we'll go to 4.8. Then we'll go to four six. Then we'll go to four four. And then at the end of the maintenance phase, we're already at four two. But now you've started to lose weight, or or maybe you've you've lost the excess water in those first weeks, and you're at a very very stable weight now. This is where the benefit comes in of that maintenance phase. So, for, in my opinion, 
no matter where you are in terms of the end of a cut or end of a bulk or end of a transition or whatever it is, a beginning of a new cycle, end of a new cycle, you can really benefit from three to four weeks of just very, very slow increments. And then once you start to get into the swing of things, then you go for it, right? Okay, three or four weeks down that maintenance phase, now we're in a deficit, let's fucking go. And it's a really, really good way to transition into a prep. So you've got a 16-week prep, start at 20 weeks and have that three to four weeks maintenance and just bringing down bringing down food to where your maintenance level is and you kind of stop gaining weight because if you're in a surplus you should be gaining weight every single week so you want to bring it down till you find the maintenance and if you're in a deficit you should be losing weight every single week so you bring it up until you find the maintenance it just takes three or four weeks to find that maintenance but that three or four weeks acts as an amazing buffer it acts as an amazing uh just feel, makes you feel better on a reverse diet it makes you feel incredible even though you're not at maintenance level if you're on a, a huge surplus it makes you feel incredible even though you're not in a huge surplus anymore so i really think there's some value there in maintenance phases um they don't need to be technical nothing needs to change of training nothing needs to change of nutrition you just increase the food that you're eating keep the training how you're training and you want to change those variables one at a time and, and, and not go too deep into it um, and I think it's very, very valuable on either side. So maintenance phases, and a, a little thing for you guys to, to take on board. Um, and finally, guys, I wanted to talk about motivation because we're at the quote-unquote back end of this. But my God, is dragging on. And I've had a lot of clients, a lot of friends, a lot of people on Instagram uh, who are just not motivated anymore. They're sick of fucking bands. They're sick of not going to the gym. They're sick of not seeing their friends and family. And and I get it. I understand. I feel you. Uh, I've got it very, very plush versus a lot of people, which I'm extremely grateful for that I get to work from, from my kitchen desk where I am right now. Um, and of course... I've got the home gym and whatnot, so I can appreciate. I do. I do have it good. I appreciate. I do have it good, but I can completely understand where you're coming from because I was there the first couple of weeks. Um, obviously, I'm in the an incredible position where I can act on it and I can build the things that I need to build and I can carry on with, the, with what I need to do because it's just what's inside me, and I've got the the means to do it. Um, but I feel you. It's not easy. Motivation comes and goes. It's up and down. It's fine to not be motivated. In fact, it's normal to not be motivated. And if you do feel hugely motivated, fantastic. Ride the wave. But for those of you guys who are potentially suffering, who are losing the will to live, I'm going to give you a little bit of advice. Take it as you will. I'm 27 years old and probably not qualified to give you advice. But here goes. <laughs> Motivation comes and goes. How you act when it's not here will define the overall outcome of what you're trying to get to. I appreciate no one's, no one, I appreciate a lot of people are not as quote unquote hardcore as that in their mindset. Like 90% of people aren't like, I've got this fucking goal. I'm going to fucking get to it, bro. Like, and I appreciate I'm like that sometimes. Uh, but not everyone's like that. But people have goals, right? You want to build a house. You want to start a family. You want to get a promotion. You want to get a new car. You want to get a new dog. But there are things between those goals that still need to get done for it to happen. 
and appreciate while you're unmotivated and you look at your your laptop again and you think, ah, can he do it? I can he do it? I can he pick up that laptop again? Because you're bored, because you're tired, because you're unmotivated. Those are the moments that will define that final outcome. And I appreciate that's still quite hardcore as well. You know, it's like work hard in silence, man. Even if even if you're not motivated, keep working. I can appreciate that's the gist of what I'm saying. And I appreciate it doesn't translate into that. But just know if you put one foot in front of the other, if you do one achievable task a day, it's going to lead to two. And if you can do two, it's going to lead to five. And once you've got that five, nothing stops you. And, and that is your spine. That is your spine for the day. You know you've got to get this work done. You know you've got to go walk the dog. You know that you have to talk to your wife about how you want to decorate the kitchen. You know you've got to do those things. And those become the spine of your day. And you've got to keep that consistency. We talked a little bit about compound interest in the last video. In the last podcast, sorry. And a lot of people related to that. And it was really, really nice to get some messages about the compound interest. So very, very briefly, 365 a day, 365 days a year. Not all of those are going to be good. But the ones that you can compound on will make a fucking difference. They will make a big, big difference. Five days a week, four days a week, you tip that balance in the favor of progression, it's going to happen. You have 51% of your days a year that are good and are progressible, you are progressing by a percent. And maybe it doesn't translate well in numbers. You get what I mean? <laughs> you have three bad days, you have four good days. You have three days of laziness, you have four days of pro proactivity. And you fight to tip that balance. And I appreciate, you may have a bad week, you may have a bad month, but there is 11 more to capitalize. There is three more weeks to capitalize. And if you can get that in your head and you can cut those dead days off, because you're going to have bad days. Bad days are what make the good days good. You have to have those bad days. You have to have no motivation to appreciate having motivation. You have to have a shit steak to appreciate a good steak. You know, you have to have bad sushi to have good sushi. <laughs> you get where I'm going with this. It's needed. You need yin and yang. You need positive and negative. So just know when you're going through a bad time, when you're going through times of negativity, it's needed. You need that to appreciate the good ones. And if you can go into your negative issues, your negative mindset, your bad days, your shit days, the days that hurt, the days that you cry, and know that this is going to make me stronger and know that this is going to build me for what I am in 10 years' time, you never lose any day. You only learn. And that mindset is it is the thing that has got me through my last two years of my life and it is the thing that's going to get me through the next two years of my life i have bad days i have anxiety i can't control my thoughts i have too many things in a day i explode and i normally snap at my fucking girlfriend which is annoying or i snap at my mum, or i or i literally i'm in this this same room where i am now and i'm screaming fuck and then i open up and ah, ah and my mum's like you're right i'm like i'm fine because I am human as well, and I have bad days as well. But once I get through those, and once I calm down, and once I put myself in, in, in reality again, and I put my foot in front of the other, and I think, what's going to change the outcome of what I'm doing right now? I do, and I appreciate that's the hardest thing. I appreciate that doing is sometimes 
climbing fucking Everest for some people. And I appreciate people can be in ruts, in holes, in dark places, and it could seem like the furthest thing away from them. But I promise you, once you take that first step, once you take that rep, I feel like I'm advertising one more rep again. I am. Fuck it. It's a mindset. It's a lifestyle. It's going to happen. I promise you it's going to happen. I don't know what it is, but it's going to happen. For whatever it is for you, if you take that rep, if you take that step, if you use this negative as positive, if you use this negative, I've got to take this right now. This is part of life. You know what I mean? And it can be savage. It could be that COVID took one of your parents. It could be that you are a black family and you are hurting right now and you are crying right now. And it may seem that nothing is making sense right now, but you do the things that you need to do. You go rally. You get your PPE for your household. You know, these. I know these are ridiculous examples, but that is what I'm talking about. Bring yourself to reality. Ride the bad days and live off the good ones. You need it and I need it. And once you've got that in your head, I promise you you'll never have a bad day in the rest of your life, even though you will, if that makes sense, because <laughs> you need them. I hope, that, I hope that makes sense, guys. I'm going to end the podcast there. Um, three different topics, three different rants. If you like these kind of podcasts, drop me a tag me, dude. Like tag me, dudes and dudettes, guys and girls. Tag me in your uh, in your stories. Um, I appreciate. I don't repost a load of things that people tag me in. I probably get about twenty to thirty, thirty to forty tags a day. Um, I can't repost them all on my story just because it gets very very cluttered. But I really, really appreciate it when you guys repost me. I really, really appreciate it when you guys message me and say you enjoyed this part of this this podcast or this part of that. I even appreciate it if you say I didn't like what you do. So if you don't agree with what I said at the beginning, middle or end of this, come tell me. Let's have a talk. Maybe we'll change each other's minds. Maybe you'll help give me some clarity. Maybe I'll help give you some clarity. Maybe I'll make you confused. Who knows? Peace and love, everybody. We'll speak soon. Bye-bye.